love you to introduce yourself um, and, and a little bit about your background. What's your name? Where are you from? All that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. My name's Dylan, uh, Dylan Craig. I am um, from a little bitty town about two hours west of here, a town mm-hmm. called Hamilton, Texas. Ah, uh, um, yeah. You know it? I've heard of it. Man, I've not I'm, been there. I'm going to interrupt this story, my intro, just because I love this story so yeah. much. So Hamilton, it's like when I was growing up, there was 2,000 people. And uh, no one, even in Texas, knows about it, right? And I always you know, I have so much hometown pride. Uh, Hamilton is self-proclaimed the dove capital of maybe the world. I don't know. Yeah. Either way, dove capital, right? Dove hunting capital. Yeah. We've got like a dove festival every year. Anyway, so I find myself, I had moved to Charlotte, North Carolina at this time to open our, our office in Charlotte. And it's like, I don't know, maybe the first like three or four weeks of us being in business. And I had, of course, been bragging about Hamilton, the greatest town in the world. It's not. It's just a little town. Um, but I'm telling everybody it's the dove capital of the world, you know, just laying it out. And uh, everybody laughed. You know, they're like, whatever. So we get in and I was helping some of my guys run the first like investor meetings because we'll get into, you know, kind of our business. But um, we meet with a lot of investors who want to buy inventory houses and we sit down with this guy, and we kind of start chit-chatting. And this, remember, this is in North Carolina. And uh, he's like, you from you from North Carolina? I said, no, man, I'm from Texas. He's like, where about? I said, you won't know it. It's Hamilton. He goes, dub capital of the world? <laughs> and I look, I look at him. I look over uh, at the guy, Luke, who I was sitting with, and I just lost it. It is by far probably one of my favorite stories, yeah. favorite things ever happened to me in my life. Um, insignificant. But yeah. it was just so serendipitous. Amazing. But uh, anyways... I, uh, yeah, I'm from a little town. Um, now I, I'm obviously living in Austin. I work for a, a company called New Western. And um, what we do essentially is we operate the largest uh, private marketplace for investment real estate. So for basically transactions to occur, it's um, you know, the really brief is it's, it's just not easy buying houses in, as an investment strategy um, because there's just so many barriers to entry. It's... Um, there's not like a one size fits all on how to find it, how to buy it, how to transact it, what the contracts look like. Nothing, nothing is standardized in real estate, even it's so, so old that, that, you know, the model. Um, and we just help really streamline that. But we also, the most important thing is we just provide a, a source of inventory uh, for the people who don't have the connections. Uh, and we do that through just a, a really large marketplace. Mm-hmm. Where we're, we're just there to, to, you know, connect investors with value add properties. Yeah. That's awesome. So it's, it's nationwide. It is, yeah, okay. yeah. We operate right now in about fifty markets, um, okay. and we transact, you know, a very large amount. Every market's a little different. We've been in Austin for a while, and I think we're probably doing, you know, somewhere around sixty to seventy houses a month here in Austin. Wow, that's um, tremendous. But yeah, nationwide, not in every state because not every state's necessarily built for a transaction model or has mm-hmm. the, the demand. Um, but for the most part, anywhere you go, you can you can probably find us. Yeah, that's tremendous. Yeah, that's it. It's kind of funny how our paths cross. So so well um you know been building in austin for 25 years land developing things like that and then we've you know stretched out to nashville now so we're developing land going to be going vertical with some some residential stuff and um looking to do townhomes and condos out there as well and we've kind of got a product that's investor based outside of this i'd like to talk a little bit yeah um because i'm very much of the mindset of reoccurring income and there's there's kind of a method that we've been doing over the past five years. It's been pretty lucrative for us um, and something we can talk about a little bit more and something that I'll get into in later dates um, on, on other podcasts as well. Um, but we definitely need to talk about that. So it's really kind of funny how how our our lanes are crossing. 
Yeah, and in the in the areas because I also opened our Nashville office with another guy. Um, and so, w- were you from Nashville? No, I've why been. You, like, why? What do you do business? In you Nashville? know, what's funny it was. Um, we wanted to expand right before COVID happened, and right, it's it's kind of funny when they the week or the weekend, if you would, I think when they actually started shutting airports down, we were in Nashville looking at land, mm-hmm. and then COVID hit. We kept, you know, building relationships and stuff like that out there. But as a developer, we wanted to go someplace that was like Austin. And at the end of the day, when you've got bars and restaurants and stuff like that, moved to Nashville. And let's be honest, Austin is no longer and has not been the live music capital of the world for fucking years. You know, it's just it hasn't happened. You know, everybody moved to Nashville. And so I personally feel that Nashville's got more culture than Austin really ever had. I love Nashville. I've got a lot of friends in Nashville. Um, There's going to be a new gym in Nashville. You know, I'm pretty stoked. Yesterday. Were you? Yeah. 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 That dude is uh, by far one of the nicest human beings on this freaking planet. I know. I was telling my wife, um, I was like, man, like, I don't know how to be that considerate. It's. It's unreal. It really is. You know, my my wife and I, you know, um, talk to him quite a bit as well. And it's the same thing. You leave him and you go, you feel better about yourself. You know what I mean? I've even told him that. And I'm like, I feel better about myself just talking (laughs) to you. And he's so humble about it. Oh, man, I really appreciate it. And that's him. That's just him. You know, we came from an era years ago. I was in the bar industry for years, um, early 20s. So a lot of the guys that own bars and restaurants now were in that game back then that we used to sling bottles with. And so that whole era and group of people have kind of come up right, together. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's kind of interesting to see how everybody's grown up with the big boy pants and stuff like that and where they've gone. Yeah, so that is fun. Yeah. But um, with that said, Nashville is was just the next spot that made sense. Right. I think it's 10 years market behind, maybe eight yeah. behind Austin. But it's got things that Austin never had. It's got all for the most part, all professional sports. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. You know, yeah. they're getting baseball. Um and it's you can get from north to south in 15, 20 minutes in traffic. So were you surprised when you got there about some of the zoning? I, I, I'm not going to lie and say I remember everything mm-hmm. about, you know, codes and zoning in Nashville. Mm-hmm. But I do remember getting there. And I just remember being surprised by a few things. You don't deal with as many rehabs, right? It's mostly. No, it's mostly new construction. Um, but I was surprised by basements. I just obviously in Texas, we don't deal with them. Uh, yeah. Basements, crawl spaces, um, pyramid homes. Yeah. But I was also surprised just with like the ease of zoning and building, um, you know, like the, the different R lots being able to build X number of homes per lot. Yeah. As long as you, you know, have a certain frontage, things like that. I, I, you guys have that a little bit more here in Austin. Um, but like when I'd come from Dallas, it just it, it, we didn't have the, the same um, the same opportunities to to develop in the way yeah. we, we did when we got to uh, Nashville. Yeah. You know, Nashville, what's funny is there's a lot of neighborhoods that actually sit on commercial land. Yeah. And so that's what like with the HPRs and stuff like that, that allow you to build multiple lots yeah. or multiple homes on a lot. Um, and they just never changed it. Yeah. So it's, it's awesome, you know. So it's great for us. We started off uh, bought four and a half acres. I don't know if you're familiar with Green Hills. Yeah, of course. It's right next yeah. to Bellmead. Yep. And it was the last four and a half acres from the Martin family that the street Abbott Martin is named yeah. after. So it's kind of a super unique piece of property and we're we're stoked about it and we're gonna um end up putting 11 homes out there 11 11 so you're sitting at like uh 
fourth of an acre, a little less, yep. a yep. third of an acre yep. each. Yep. So that'll be great. Yeah, we're pretty stoked about that. So and fingers you guys, crossed. We you should. have to uh, throw roads in. Was it? We will. Was it a, like square lot or was it? Yeah, long it's it's L shaped. So we're gonna we should have keeping my fingers crossed all site permits by the end of the month or first week of next month and hope to break ground uh, middle of next month. So. Awesome. We've got to do water detention, water quality, yeah, roads, fun everything, yeah. the fun stuff. And that's that's what we do here. So it's kind of what I know. Um, but it has been an interesting process with those guys. They do not have to think outside the box. They're a lot slower than Austin, which is saying a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just saying a lot. Yeah. Um, one story is I had to explain to them why I wanted to use a hammerhead in a neighborhood versus a cul-de-sac. They're like, you have to use a cul-de-sac because we need a turning radius for a fire truck. The cul-de-sac that they specified, I mean, a fire truck would have to do a six-point turn anyway. I wanted a hammerhead to keep the shape of the lots better, you know, more manageable, looking better instead of, you know, having all these pointy areas on it and these triangular-shaped lots, and they just couldn't understand it. And so we literally had to have our civil engineer take a cul-de-sac and put it inside of this hammerhead and go, this is the difference. And they, oh, that they finally got it. And I was like, we're actually giving you more right away yeah. to keep my lots as a better shape. But, you know, we can build on them, actually. We're the second hammerhead in Nashville. I mean, it's just things like that. They don't have to think outside the box, and we're used to having to think outside the box here. Yeah, but you got it done. I got it done. The ironic thing is that, you know, I've, I've been dealing with investors for, for so long, and, you know, I love the industry. I love the, the market. I love dealing with the people. But a lot of the, I think the misconception in real estate comes from people think that you buy a house and you've got this predetermined resale value and the profit's like when you buy it. Uh, but the profit doesn't exist when you buy it. Every investor has the opportunity to make X dollars, and they get to control that X, like what the X becomes. And they just so rarely take advantage of that. And it comes like you have uh, you've got a lot of opportunity to do that with what you do because you control everything from point A to point B. But even in the small fix and flip, like just getting this is going to be a, a wild example, but it's so simple, like scratch and dent appliances. Mm-hmm. Um, when the back has got a little dent and you, you save $400, you do that on 10 flips, you know, it's not that big of a deal, but you're feeling better and you do that times 10. Um, and you go and you fight for these little things that you think are going to improve the value at the end of the day. Um, and it's just, I just feel like that's lost so often. Mm-hmm. So Well, and a lot of that too, I think that ruined that was HGTV. You know what I mean? <laughs> when, the shoot, when, when the shows started coming out, that was when everybody thought, I can do this. And they didn't understand you actually had to have some knowledge, Yeah, you know, and especially with remodels and fix and flips, you, you don't know what you have until you get into it. And that's sometimes can be the scary part, but that's also very beneficial and can be very profitable at the same time. Yeah. You can still control the factors, but yeah, that's, I mean, I I remember, especially when I got to Nashville, there was so much development going on that I, there was a huge segment of the industry that just wasn't willing to do fix and flips because of the unforeseens, right? The, The termites as an example. Yeah. It was frustrating for me because our business, I mean, we do a lot of development play, you know, lots, things like that, especially here in Austin. But, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're just really focused on the mom and pop investor who, you know, has a, a good basis of knowledge, but just wants to get in it. And you typically are just not going to start with the development play. It's, it's uh, you got, got, yeah. got more dynamic yeah. to it. Um, and so I was frustrated at the time, but, you know, it's. 
each one has its own pros. Like I think you can get in as an easier entry point to the fix and flip and you can control it and you can learn a lot and there's not as many massive mistakes you can make, but there's also just less risk and the straightforward, you know exactly what your build cost is, price per square foot, yep. right? You know exactly yep. what the, the original development's going to cost, things like that. So teach their own, I guess. Yeah. And it's, it's just a lot more, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, and we've always stayed more on the speculative side of the market as well. Um, and as the market's kind of turned, you know, we've always been very selective of any custom product that we may do. Um, I've got to love the project. Yeah. I've got to love the client. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of times when we're going through the design phase, I often tell people we're dating at this point. Yeah. This relationship's yeah. either going to work at construction contract or it's not. And if it doesn't, that's okay. You know, but at least you've got a preliminary set of plans that you can take to someone else or something like that because it turns out to be a marriage at the end of the day. So we've always leaned more towards spec homes and income-producing properties so that we can control those outcomes. Yeah. You know, because a lot of times with customs, they take twice as long and you make half and the money. Unpredictable they're because, unpredictable. You know, when people start getting selective, it's the costs are they're just variable. A hundred percent. You can spend eighty thousand dollars on cabinets, or you can spend ten. Yep, and exactly. In a little tweak, I, I know. You know, I just recently, um, a year ago, actually built built uh, a home for us. You know, yeah. And my wife, she was dead set on on these. Uh, these cabinets, you showed me a picture, so I did a little research, and, you know, they're not regular cabinets because they can't be. It's it's roofs yeah. on white oak. Of and, course. And, uh, you know, the roofs on is three times the, the cost uh, because it has so much waste. Just, my point is, is that, yeah, when you get into custom, it's the sky's the limit, and that becomes a problem because people want what they want. And yeah. You just can't predict it. Mm-hmm. Well, what, what got you to this place? Have you always been involved in real estate? Have you always liked real estate? Yeah. What brought you to the point where you are today in dealing with real estate the way that you are? Um, it's going to be an unprofessional story. Do it. I'm just going to hit it. Uh, Do it. So I, uh, I had zero interest in real estate. Zero. Mm-hmm. I, I went to Baylor and I was, you know, certain I was going to be a doctor. That would have been an awful idea. <laughs> I would have been the worst doctor. I mean, the worst. Uh, so I'm glad it didn't work out. But I, you know, went through three years of pre-med and uh, I was, you know, on track for the most part to get that. And I think I just grew up a little bit and realized that, you know, I, I went to Baylor on, on scholarship and, and me just figuring it out. I had no outside help. Um, and I took a look and I was like, I can barely get through these four years. Like, I need to go make money. I can't I, I can't afford medical school after this. It was just I think I was living in a fantasy for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so I, I pivoted, finished with a business degree. And um, anyways, I, you know hadn't really thought about what I was going to do because I was so focused on being a doctor um, that I just kind of jumped out into the world. I had zero dollars, zero dollars at all. And I was like, all right, I like working out. I had been selling um, like sports supplements on the side. So I'm going to be in sports supplements. I'm going to go apply to, you know, Cellucor or Nutribolt is who owns mm-hmm. it, or some other guys, di- you know, uh, some guys in Dallas, mm-hmm. pro subs. Anyways, I made some applications. I got some offers. And I looked at it, and I was like, this isn't even a year at Baylor, what they're trying to, you know, charge me, or trying to pay me. And so I pivoted again, and I had just gone through a breakup with, uh, who is my wife today, so I'm down in the dumps. Um, but I'm also probably looking for love. And uh, I get a, a random LinkedIn message from this girl, and she was just cute. Yeah. And I had no idea what she was offering. No idea at all. Yeah. I was just like, I'm going to go to this interview because I'm increasingly single. Yeah. I'm going, baby. Let's <laughs> see what happens. And so I show up. I've got this like 
just <laughs> oversized pinstripe suit on because it's what I had, you know. Yeah. And I sit down this interview, and the whole time I'm like, "Where's this girl? Like, I, you know, she wasn't there. Yeah. This is all the reason I came." And uh, I finally like, all right, whatever. Like, I'm here. I'll listen to this guy. You got catfish. I got, I got catfish so hard. <laughs> you're like, you're not even a girl. <laughs> she wasn't real. She wasn't. I did end up meeting her later, okay. um, but you know, it didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, I'm sitting in this interview, and this, you know, this guy is. It's a sales position, and uh, I've been doing sales. I mean, I, I, I sold tombstones. You know, like grave tombstones. Wow. I sold you know supplements. I yeah. sold anything. I, anything yeah. I can sell, I'll sell it. And so he was talking about, you know, some of the commission splits, and it was real estate. And I'd never considered real estate. I would be an awful real estate agent just like I would be an awful doctor because um, I'm not good with people. Yeah. I, I'm impatient. <laughs> um, but anyways, you know, some of these numbers he was throwing around, I'm like, man, I've been selling a $30 bottle of pre-workout. Like, it should take me a lifetime to get rich doing this. This is, yeah. this is real commission. And so I said, all right, I'm here for a reason. I'll do it. Um, and I, I jumped in and I was awful for the first three months. I, I, probably a lot of factors involved. I was like in and out of, you know, sleeping out of my truck every now and then trying to Uh figure out things here and there. And, uh, finally just clicked one day and, uh, for a lot of reasons, I mean, I can get into those, but, um, I just started focusing and just like Mm -hmm. not accepting failure. It just was never going to happen. I finally just came to that. Um, cause there's no reason for me, at least that somebody else can do something and I can't it just doesn't exist for me. Yeah. I like yoga. hundred uh, <laughs> yeah. oh. <laughs> uh, percent. We'll I, get better. I may Every accept time. that loss one day. Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, it just, it finally clicked and, and I've been there since it was my first job out of college, first real job. And I I'm sitting close to 10 years at this point with the same company. It's a fantastic company to be with. Wow. Okay. It's worked out. Well, and in reality to, to do something like that you know, one of the key things, it's got to be discipline. Yeah. Right. That's what, that, that's what helped you got there. Yeah. With any, you know, to get there with anything, yeah. you know, you're in here every day, you know, again, I'll do legs later today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't in here to do them this yeah. morning, but I will get them done yeah, just so I don't have to hear it. Picture. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Get a three weeks ago. Exactly. I, I was there. You're like, wait, you didn't have a beard then. <laughs> <laughs> what, what happened? <laughs> no, I'll definitely do it for sure. Yeah. Um, but things like that and progression, just take discipline. Yeah. And, you know, to your point, everybody can do just about anything if they put their mind to it, you know, and if they put the discipline in and and things like that. A lot of times you may not want to come. You may not want to do something. But if you do it, that discipline will take you far. And it's like in every aspect, the small things as well. Um, I love this story, so I'm going to tell her. Do it. Do it. That's what this is about, man. Um, Speak freely. There's this. uh, There's this. This is. I told this story about me. I'm, I'm, I was almost going to say 100, but that would be such an exaggeration. Probably 40. Yes. Okay. Close okay. to 100. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways, I, I was sitting watching this um, this, this documentary. It's called Zero Dreams of Sushi. It's this, it's a sushi chef. In Japan. Okay. And he's like, he's world renowned. He uh-huh. operates out of Have you, you heard of this? No, no. He operates out of this, um, this like a uh, little kind of unassuming spot in a subway, you know, tunnel, okay. basically. Wow. Um, and he's, you know, like multiple Michelin star, just phenomenal, like the best at his craft, or he was. Wow. I don't think he's doing it anymore. Um, but, you know, I'm watching this documentary, and, and, like, he's no different than any of the other guys. It's not like he's got special fish, but he's talking. He spent, like, ten minutes talking about this octopus, and this octopus is, like, one-fiftieth of his dinner, right, uh, uh-huh. like his presentation, because this, he does omakase only, which is, like, he hands you 20 pieces of, of different 
creations, right? Yep. And so it's like one piece out of yeah. that 20-piece experience. And he spends, like, he, he was so frustrated because he spent, you know, 10 minutes, which is kind of like the industry standard of massaging octopus. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Neither did I, but I'm, I'm into Good it. See, you learn. Point, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I may be getting these numbers wrong, so yeah. there's other facts. Still, no, I know, right? It's, uh, yeah. Either way, he does. He's just I'm not satisfied. And, like, I'm sure the customers were probably satisfied. Yeah. Um, but he does it a little longer. He's like, next time I'm going to do 20 minutes. And he gets all the way to, like, 50 minutes of massaging this octopus before he, he plates it. Yeah. And uh, he was like, ah, it's probably diminishing return at this point. I'll go back to 45. And that's where he lands. Uh-huh. And I think the point is, it's like, it's discipline and everything it's like i have so many people a lot of the agents that that um report up to me Mm -hmm. you know they're just frustrated because they're not finding success and it's like i'm here every day i'm i'm doing the job and i'm like but how well are you doing every facet of the job like Mm -hmm. when you get on your phone calls are you like going through the motions or are you getting every call and like coming with energy and being excited and being somebody that somebody wants to work with and really digging into every little small thing even if it's not necessarily going to return today. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of ten, that, that's that's what's missing. People can show up to, to the gym, yep. but unless you, like, every day come in and say, I did ten reps on this last time. Fuck that. Like, yep. I'm going to do eleven today. Yep. You're just never going to change. A hundred percent. You know, and it's always pursuing that next goal. Yep. You know, even if it's a little bit. You know, I've got a, a buddy, Khalil Rafati. I don't know. Do you know Khalil? I don't. Um, own Sun Life Organics. Oh, we, nice. when he came, when he moved to Austin, we built his home and, you know, he got on this 1% better every day yeah. kick. And it's true. No matter what, just a little bit is all it takes. And the tremendous amount of, um, of greatness that you'll see over a year is going to be tremendous no matter what, if you just get 1% better every day. And it's just pushing yourself that little bit, every, every bit, you know? Um, so with that said, Love real estate. What do you do? What do you do on your private time? What do you what do you dig outside the gym and outside of work? Do you hunt? I mean, you're yeah. from the dove capital of the world, right? You know, the world is actually going to know. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like we're we're, yeah. we're making this. You, you even if I make lied it, about it, put it on a t-shirt. Yeah, you know, man, yeah. Why I wouldn't? <laughs> a lot of talk about t-shirts today. Um, yeah, man. I uh, I don't have a lot of time because I'm so passionate about this mm-hmm. and I eat a lot. Um, and eating, I'm sure you know, like it's just not easy it's a, to yeah. eat as much as you have to eat or in the way you have to eat. Yeah. Uh, and I work so much um, because it's hard to be successful. You, I'm sure you know that. Yeah. You've got like 15 things going on right yeah. now. Um, I, I do like a random things. Like I, I really like picking something that I, it's going to be a challenge. Uh-huh. Um, like I, uh, like recently I decided I was going to go do an amateur boxing uh, fight. And I awesome. Just, I just picked it up. A month out, I, I signed up for a fight, didn't know anything about boxing, and <laughs> yeah, hired a guy. I do said, it. I said, I got a fight in a month. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do this. And, um, yeah, and it was so hard, and it was so fun, though, and so I'd spent so much of my spare time doing that. I, I like, randomly one day decided I wanted to be a blacksmith, and uh-huh. um, so I, I started making knives, and so I wow. did, like, blacksmithing on the side. Yeah. Um, I mean, anything you can think of, I, I'm going to try to do it. Um, uh-huh. But, yeah, I, I just like finding new things. I don't like getting, like, a... Stuck in one thing that yep. I, I get stuck in the gym. I love it. I'm so yep. passionate about it. Yeah. So that's the most of my time. And then I've got my family. Uh, yeah. I've got three kids. So yeah. What do you think pushes you to do things outside of your norm? Yeah. Um. You know. Yeah, I think that I um I grew up with uh, like so little opportunity. Um. Mm-hmm. You know, I uh I said nothing as a child. Um. 
you know, it just, I, I was in a single family household. I, I mean, I, I won't get too deep into it, yeah. uh, but I, I, I just remember like so many things I wanted to do and then always just being like so regretful that I didn't have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I just realized when I got to be an adult and had just so much more control of my own destiny mm-hmm. that like opportunity cost, like there's a reason I didn't have that opportunity, but like, I'm not going to let that be the case now. And yeah. so when I see something that I want to do, I'm just like, I'm going to do that. Yeah. And I just don't like living with the what ifs and living with like, wish I would have tried that. Like right now I'm focused on, I'm signing up to go climb Denali. Um, nice. And I, you know, we'll see if I die. Yeah. Um, Cause I'm also going to try to try to do it with not a lot of training. Uh, <laughs> just little things, you know, um, but I, I think, I think it's probably not going to be that difficult. Well, we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah. I, I shouldn't say that. Um, either way, but I, from just, a physical standpoint, you feel good about it. No, no. Okay. No, I, I, feel I was good trying to throw some, match, okay. Yeah. And I, I, I legitimately thought I was going to die. I get done with this fight. I go, <laughs> I, I, like step, I stumble off the ring, you know, Yeah. and I go outside, I'm holding a glass bottle, drop it, shatters. I throw up in the parking lot. Oh, wow. And like I, you know, I was training, uh, not consistently, but you know, like I had done some of, you know, they have the NFL training camps here things like yeah. that. Like I jumped in with those guys and I was feeling, I was feeling good about myself. Wrong. I wasn't fit. Yeah. Uh, I just, you know, I just, it's just a different type of in shape. So much. Yeah. So completely. Much. You- have you always been into fitness or, you know, off and on, you know, uh, part of what, uh, brought me into it more than anything was being in the bar industry. You know, when I was young and dumb, it was all about how big you can get and how much shit you could shoot in your ass to see how big you could get. I don't see how you know, to the bar industry. You got to give me that. I, I started out as a door guy. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So then, yeah, yeah, you know, it, yeah. And then I was head of security for a country bar. Okay. And so with that came, in a country bar, you can't just go, hey, man, you're too drunk. You got to leave. It's, hey, man, you're too drunk. You got to leave. And then a fight breaks out. Because every redneck's got to prove it. Right? 100%. Yeah. So it was just, it was a given, you know. So we were in two, three, four fights a week. And it just, that was just, you know, I've got forehead split open from a door hit me. In the, and then it made me mad because I was bleeding. I got blood on a shit. I mean, just ridiculous stuff. And some insane stories you know this country bar is down on 6th street and there was one time we had this huge fight in the dance floor and at some point i felt something like spit or something on the side of my face and i turned and looked up and apd brought horses into the bar on the dance floor i mean it was insane did they do a little jig though once they got there no they they were just knocking people over and i knew a lot of those guys yeah oh yeah for crowd control Okay. You know, and it, it was pretty insane, but it was a phenomenal time in my life. Wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. did it from like 21 to like 25, 26. I, I've always had two or three jobs and that was my fun job. You know, I always had like a nine to five. I sold lumber before I started building. So I've always kind of been in the building arena. Yeah. And then, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday nights, I worked at the bars. And so I've always kind of done that. And then from there, went down to the warehouse district, which was a little more mellow. Um, to do security? Yes, to do security. A lot more mellow. Yeah. No, oh, no, sorry. Was... I, when you said warehouse district, I'm imagining you doing security in a warehouse. Oh, no, so no, no, no. no maybe down on, maybe yeah. not as, as docile as I'm. Yes, doing. no, but it, it was pretty much, you know, yeah. down on, on uh, 2nd Street and stuff like that. You know, down where uh, True Lux is and all that. Yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's a separate area than Dirty Six. Okay. You know, um, this country bar that, that I worked at was Caddy Corner from the Driscoll. Back when 6th Street was still semi-safe, right? Yeah. And now you just can't, you just don't go down there. Or at least I don't. Um, but clientele is definitely different. You know, I had asked someone to leave from a bar that we had worked at. It was Lucky Lounge. And uh, the guy gave me a little lip and I just hit him and I drug him out. And the owner came up and was like, Mike, you can't do that here. And I was like, but he said he didn't want to leave, but, you know, <laughs> and I'm used to, it's you, go to you brought me over here to do this. I don't understand. Uh, um, different clientele. Yeah. He would have left if I would have asked him. Probably. Again. I, I 100%. was actually going to say, like, I was going to make the comment, you must have a lot of patience, but you actually no, told I, me I, that I, you don't I, I, have no, any patience no, right no, to the swing. No. And it's, uh, and that's just because what I was used to that environment, right? Um, I've had guns pointed in my face yeah. in the middle of a bar, all just insane younger life. But again, something that I wouldn't change for the world. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a great point in my life, but I think we all need points like that in our lives to get stories from. And yeah. I used to do so many things just to go, this is going to be an awesome story. I, I, man, I love <laughs> that you said that. I love that. I was, yeah. I was saying something to somebody the other day. I'd like just pulled this quote out of my ass. Uh-huh. It was like, I'd hate to be, you know, the only person around the campfire with no stories to tell. hundred percent. Like, man, that's probably the other reason you asked earlier, like why I find myself doing all these things, you know, it's just like, man, like, what are we? Like, I think we're our experiences and our, our you know, our stories. And that's pretty much it. A hundred percent. So I love that. Yeah. No. Yeah. There's a lot of stupid decisions yeah, yeah, that I made. Yeah. But again, I'm like, that was a hell of a story. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just a tr- tremendous story. Yeah. So, um, again, in the gym all the day, you seem extremely devoted to anything that you do. Um, what what brought you to Austin? Uh, you said you came from Dallas. Yeah, my in-laws live here. It's miserable. Getting, yeah, uh, oh, just oh, getting. Yeah. <laughs> no, my, that is why we're here. Uh, yeah, I was in Charlotte, so I went from Dallas mm-hmm. to open the Nashville office. I lived in Nashville mm-hmm. for two years until I just got too many ticks. Uh, you yeah, ever, you ever deal with the ticks in Nashville? No, God, there's so many ticks in Nashville. Oh, like for real ticks, like ticks, like, oh, okay. not like you know, not yeah. Like, I was not like, like no, you <laughs> just move and gets rid of those. <laughs> okay, no, like there's a lot. Like, I feel like every time I went hiking, I'm getting yeah, a tick on no, me, but I also, true. you know, I got a little yeah. sweet skin. Like, yeah, they just, like, they just like biting you. Uh, but no, I, I like Nashville, uh, yeah, the dicks, yeah. But uh, then I, I, you know, kept growing through the company because I started entry level sales, uh-huh. and um. The beautiful thing about this company is they just they give shots to people who work hard and they they feel like they can it's, they promote off off of um, potential more mm-hmm. so than, than anything. Um, so I got the opportunity to, after I'd been in Nashville to go open my own shop in Charlotte, um, and that's when I moved to Charlotte. Lived there for two years, twenty nineteen, I think is when I got there, uh, two and a half years, mm-hmm. and I got promoted again out of that, and I just had the ability to live anywhere at that point because i wasn't managing any single office I, i'd grown to start managing multiple offices in the company mm-hmm. and uh, my wife's family is from austin so yeah not not that cool of a story but yeah it's been good but it brought you here and you're happy you dig it or i, I man i like i found a little little property you know and uh i don't like people that much i don't like neighbors and yeah. um it's probably a good thing because i'm weird my neighbors have always just like probably been stressed out by be living next to him, so, um, uh, and so I, I like that. But the city, yeah. the city is a city is a city to me. Yeah, I don't do anything. Yeah, that, yeah, in the city. Yeah, it's funny. You know, we, we keep going back to sales, and something that I've talked to my boys about a ton yeah. is the art of sales 
is disappearing and it's declining. And it's because of our phones, right? You know, this younger generation, that's how they communicate. So I've always told them, if you can sell anything, it being a lost art will be refreshing to those in the future because not many people know how to do it. And there's certain innate traits that you have as an individual or you don't. Anything can be taught to somebody. But I think drive is innate. Can you create drive? Yeah, but there's a natural drive that some people just have and some people don't. And you can build off that. And you said that your company, you know, likes to promote kind of within and especially if they see that you're putting in the work and you're being disciplined and things like that. And they have those traits that you can't necessarily train. And that's that's like the hardest thing. And I guess any any business, I don't know how much you deal with it, um, but everybody we bring on is pretty much a 1099 contractor right? yeah and so we're not putting like um you know like demands in front of you have to do this Mm -hmm. retain your position things Mm -hmm. like that and so we don't have this like we'll call it the easy button motivation we we legitimately have to we have to rely on people being self-motivated yeah and it's you know i don't know if it's rare um we we bring on a lot of people in the infancy of their career Mm -hmm. um, and so maybe that's a, a component of it but yeah, I don't know if you can teach it. Uh, I, it's it's tough. It's so tough. But you're right about sales. Um, I, I think that sales like it took this 180 instead of maybe like a 60. Um, where I, I agree that like sales has to change over time. Like the way people sell. Obviously, you can't roll in and like you know yeah. treat it like you know like a 1960s TV shop. Yep. Um, whatever that means. But uh, but I had a picture. I had a picture. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Look at this yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. It's got the console built in. And the uh, big rabbit Yeah, ears. it's going to be yeah. so good. Yeah. Um, but it still hasn't changed so much as to what we've begun to see in sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're 100% right about the phone. Like, when I first started, and this was just not that long ago, mm-hmm. nine, ten years ago, um, you know, I wanted every single one of my investors to come meet with me. And, yeah. like, before I ever did business with them, just because it's just, what am I supposed to do here, like, like have a sign, you know, up and say, "Billy, where are you?" Like, yeah. oh, fuck you. Yeah. Like, yeah. I want to meet you. I want you to trust me because yeah. why would you ever buy a three hundred thousand dollar property from mm-hmm. me if you've never met me? And yeah. So, like there was just that dynamic. It was just it just felt natural, and I didn't accept anything other than that. Like if you're not going to come meet with me, I'm just not going to work with you. Yep. Now it's like our guys want to have phone meetings and they want to meet people over the phone and they want to text them and like expect to get the same results. And it just doesn't work that way. Like it's an mm-hmm. inconvenience, I think perception wise for you to have to do that. But the outcome outweighs that inconvenience tenfold for both parties. Like the investor gets to feel so much more confident. They, they get to like establish a little trust in our guys. And then the, the agent gets to have, you know, more rapport, more ability to like direct. And, and it's just, it's lost. It's frustrating. And it is. Um, you know, and that's, yeah, I've always said that I buy from people, not yeah. companies. And I'm, I, I do business relationally. You know, um, we've got a, a salesman at Ferguson where we buy, you know, all our plumbing supplies from most of our electrical and all of our yeah. appliances. And it's because of him. If yeah. he left, I would go with him. Now, he's he's been with Ferguson for like 17 years. I don't think he's ever going to leave. He's yeah. definitely a company man, but he's good at what he does. Yeah. But again, I buy from him. I don't buy from Ferguson. And before when I sold lumber, it was, it was the same thing. I wanted to get in front of people. 
yeah. you know, because it's about that personal connection. You're going to do business with someone a little bit more that, that you have a connection with, that you have some similarities with and, and things like that. And it's that personal focus, I think, that's huge in sales that's missing today. Well, it's because it's not like you've got a special deal that no one else has. Like, what else are you going to sell? Yeah. Like, no. If somebody had the ability to just get drastically better prices, they wouldn't need salesmen. No. Um, and it's the same in our industry. Like, we have houses. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got houses. They're harder to find in some areas, and we definitely streamline the process. Mm -hmm. And we make it a lot more simple to purchase mm -hmm. transactions. At the end of the day, like, we've got houses, and we've also got the person that, yep. that this person is going to be dealing with. and how much you help them in their business and how much rapport you build and mm -hmm. and that relationship you build is going to be a huge determinant on your success. Yeah, that and just the pure service. If you yeah. know that you can go and get an answer from someone every time you need to get one, yeah. even if it's a, I don't know the answer to that, but I'll find out and get back with you, and you do that and they do that, that's tremendous. I will go back all day long. And then it becomes a difference of it's not as much of price at that point because you know what you get when you're when you get it yeah. it's kind of funny even with homeowners i said we're not the cheapest in town we're not the most expensive but the subs that i use and the guys that i use i know what i'm going to get yeah. i don't have to babysit as much you know because at the end of the day you know developing and building i'm an over glorified babysitter now granted <laughs> i'm not in the field as much and we've yeah. got some tremendous guys and we've got a great team that does that but that's actually the part that i miss i miss you know, running job sites and, and things like that. That's, that was where my passion was. And it, as you grow, so does your role, you know? So I feel you on that. I mean, I, yeah. I, I lived, yesterday I found myself doing like the sales role just for fun, like yeah. I'm helping somebody out and I get on the yeah. phone, like I'm talking, negotiating. Like I just, yeah. like if I see a meeting coming, like I, it's, it's, it does suck not yeah. being in that. Uh, obviously, there's the benefit of we have more responsibility and, yeah. you know, things like that. But I feel yeah. like that it's, it's hard. And it's a catch-22 because it's not even – it's not from a power or a controlling standpoint. I just love doing that yeah. stuff. You know what I mean? And it's – and a lot of times, even in, in training, I'm not a good trainer, you know, at least to, to what we've done um, – business-wise. And I love yeah. people that can find answers on their own. And one of our biggest things is if there's a problem, don't come to me unless you already have two solutions and let's go over what that solution is nice. going to be. Um, because I want to empower those that, that I work with as well so that they can, you know, do better in their career even as is going forward. But, you know, it's just something as a business owner that, that you have to do. And sometimes, all things aren't fun. As an entrepreneur, everybody looks at you and goes, oh, you live this great life and blah, blah, blah. Well, you don't see, you know, when when you wake up at 2.30 every morning or something like that and can't go back to sleep because your mind's just going and you're yeah. thinking of this and thinking of that. But, you know, th those are things that, that you have to give up, but you, you have that look on the outside that everything's perfect all the time. Yeah, success and sleep just don't go hand in they hand, don't. do they? They yeah, don't learn that in life, you know, and I used to sleep well and the yeah. more I get involved, but I love everything that I do. So I don't consider it work. Yeah. You know, my wife and I both work all the time and we work all the time together even, um, which is even more odd. We just get along that well, but we don't consider it work. 
And she she's you know? within your company. Yeah, she's uh she's got a an online boutique that okay. she sells clothes for, but she's got her real estate license right. and she buys and sells our real estate. She only sells what we build. Um, outside of that, if she's got a friend or something that comes to her and says, Hey, I'm looking for a house. She goes, awesome. Let me refer you to somebody, um, helps on the op side and the design side as well. So it's, it's really kind of nice, you know? Um, and again, we just work all the time. We travel a ton, but we're always working too. And even when we travel, I, I hate being gone for more than like three days. Yeah. I start feeling like I lose, I'm losing control. Well, you also lose your schedule. I think like consistency is just in anything, just like set consistent actions every Mm -hmm. day. I mean, I will die if I don't have that. It's so frustrating. Um, when I get out of my routine, Mm -hmm. even the smallest, most minuscule way. Yeah. It's even funny, you know, even some days if I don't pack my gym bag and everything the night before and I'm like, yeah. I'm just super tired, I'll do it in the morning. It screws Original my day. entire day up. And I'm like, this, sock. yeah, I'm like, or, or underwear, <laughs> something like that. I'm like, for real, you know, I mean, I've got a question for you. Yeah. Um, what brought you to the collective? And what uh, do you like about this place? Yeah, man, I had a buddy, a uh, guy I work with who had been working out in the South one. And I, I've always been like... This is the first time well, I, I do still have two gym memberships. Um, this is the least amount of gym memberships I think I've ever had. Yeah. And that's because I just like, I get so frustrated at the gyms that I go to mm-hmm. uh, for whatever reason. Yeah. Right? Uh, the equipment sucks. There's too many people. The people suck. Mm-hmm. Uh, it smells weird. I, don't, yeah. I couldn't tell you. Um, yeah. And so I just like to like, you know, keep it fresh for mm-hmm. the most part. Um, but he had told me about this spot, uh, and the South was too far for me cause I live in Leander. Oh, okay. Um, and so even this is a hike, but the office is, is right down the road. Um, and so the moment he, he like shot me a text, he said, Hey, the gym I work out at is opening a North location. And I said, I right, get me in. And so yeah. I came by and I, I mean, I, I'm yeah. sold. Like, yeah. you know, I, I think I'm sold mostly because I don't have to deal with like, I, I haven't seen a single person here. Just sit on a piece of equipment and fuck off. <laughs> right? I mean, nothing yeah. frustrates me yeah. more. Um, I work out at the Y on the weekend. Okay. Uh, I, okay. I, I, I shouldn't. I won't talk down about it. No. But it's just different. It, it's, it's got child care, so hundred you know, percent. And now I have my garage gym, so I don't even go to the Y very often. Yeah. Um, but it's just, man, I'm I'm just ready to just like go, you know, insane when I work out with yeah. with people who just like aren't here for the same reasons that I'm here for. Mm-hmm. It's so demotivating. I mean, it's like this shit's not easy waking up and like hitting it as hard as I want to hit every day. Like you talked yeah. about the 1% better. Yeah. Just because you're only getting 1% doesn't mean that's easy. Yeah. It's still fucking exactly. hard to do. Like you still have to dig deep even to get that 1%. And when I yeah. come in and everybody else is doing negative 1%, I'm yeah. like, shit. Now you feel like you got to make it up for them. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I mean, that's the, and it's just, it's just so nice. Like, yeah. it's, it's, you know, I'm not it's worried about getting fungus in the showers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, the little, little, thing, little, little things, things, you know, things. I can keep both my feet. Yeah. You know? yeah that'll be a plus. In yeah. The long run. Um, yeah. But no, I, I do love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that you've, you always maintained a couple memberships. I've always been the same way really? as well. And, you know, I had lifetime for, for years, yeah, yeah. you know, and, um, similarly, you know, I kept it for a while. And then there was just one day that I walked in there and I had noticed this progressively over time, but I had walked in there and after being at the collective for, I don't know, six months or so, 
and being at the south location because we live like right in between where, you know, that 45th and Mopac area. So we're right in between yeah. both the locations. Um, but in walking in there one day, it was on the weekend or something like that. And it was, it was in the evening when the gym was already closed. So um, went over to Lifetime and in looking around to make eye contact with people and stuff like that, they would immediately look down. You know, and I was used to the South location. You look at someone, they're going to talk to you. Yeah. You know, and that's just how it was, right? And it was very social. And it it, it reminded me a lot of the bar industry because the thing that everybody likes in a bar when you have regulars is because everybody knows you yeah. type of thing, yeah. right? Nice. And you just, it, it is. having like a, a community. A hundred percent. And that's what sold me on it. And I remember that last time that I went into Lifetime, I, I legitimately tried to talk or at least get a response from like three or four people. I worked out. I was done. The next day Never I canceled my membership. Never went back. Never went back. And that's why, you know, yeah. and it's – but I had done it for years, you know. But being in a different environment that was more comfortable and, and brought that out of you even more so is what I wanted. You know, it's kind of funny. I was talking to Devin when when I first became a member and he had said, look, if you're not if you're not doing deals on that floor, something's wrong with you. For, Basically. Uh, and it's true. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not ever going to be the space. I mean, it's no, not, not a better space in town. Well, in the people, yeah. you know, and how it originally started and still how I think it is a little bit here and there is they interview you. Yeah. You know, especially in the beginning, you know, what what do you do? Who are you? Who are you? You know, um, and how can you help the other members that are here be successful? Yeah. He asked me that question. I went, whoa, I thought that was awesome question, but the weirdest question to ask someone in the gym, but I was stoked that he did. So, you know, so weird, but I, man, I, that's like been one of the things I didn't necessarily notice until maybe this conversation, uh -huh. just, you know, I think we go through life and it's, you know, like when you want to be motivated, it's just so much better to surround yourself with motivated, like disciplined people. And I mm -hmm. do think that this gym has a, a, a knack for finding those people. And yeah. so like, you know, just a small conversation. Cause I, I'm probably the person you hate. Like I, I, do get the knock of being unapproachable because I don't like typically yeah. do a whole lot of talking. I'm trying yeah. to get better at that. Yeah. Here, it's, it's so, <laughs> like, it's so, you almost have to. Yeah. The community's small here. Yeah. And so like, I don't want to be the oddball. Yeah. So I have made more yeah. of an effort to try yeah. to, you know, like, yeah. Give a hey, shy away. Yeah. <laughs> like in between, you know, yeah. sets. Yeah. Um, but I do just appreciate, you know, like the small conversations with people that mm -hmm. I just, like, I can just tell that they're on the same like path is me. Yeah. And genuine yeah. on top of that too, you know, it's just, you can, I've always been, I never want to be the smartest person in the room. Um, I always want to be surrounded by different opinions, yeah. different thoughts, different ways to do, I got a way of doing things. It doesn't mean it's the right thing or, or the right way to do something. It's just what I know. And I always want to know more. And then that way you can take that knowledge take what you want and leave the rest. And I've always been that way. Yeah. Similarly, I always want to know how can what I do help improve someone else? You know, if I've got this little piece of knowledge, I want you to have it too, because reversely, hopefully you do the same. Yeah. And, you know, it's all, uh, iron sharpens iron, period, at the end of the day. And I'm, yeah. I'm I, I say it all the time, but it's true. And I like to watch other people succeed. It brings me pleasure. I love that. You know, um, I can be the biggest cheerleader for my buddies. You know what I mean? You know, kick that ass, get after it. You know, I mean, Brad doing Moab or whatever, yeah. you know, I was just yeah. like, are you serious? You just like beating the mean? shit out of yourself, you know? And he's like, I know I do. And, you know, and, but people like that and other individuals that this place breeds 
and 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 has centralized in here is insane. Yeah. You know, and that's what you get. You yeah, know, you're it's not gonna rare. find it anywhere else. Hundred percent. Finding the opposite is the rarity in yeah. this place, which is which is huge. Yeah, I went to um to where do you work out when you go to Nashville? I did go to Lifetime in Franklin. Yeah. I drove all the way out there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a <laughs> I know, but uh, 45 minutes away still. When I first moved there, there was pretty much only the Dowd Y downtown. You know, okay, yeah. And it's actually a really Good. nice YMCA. They, they just remodeled it, too. Yeah. yeah. And it's a great yeah. great gym, but I just remember, um, <laughs> I you know, I had another, just like you, just like this defining moment where I'm not going to go to this gym anymore. It's, a, it's almost yeah. the same story. Yeah. Um, except I was sitting in the locker room, and I was just so fed up with um, – the lack of towels in the locker room, you know. <laughs> uh, anyway, I used to work out at Worlds and everything else, where it gym. just smelled. You had to bring your own towel. You throw well, it in your car. It smelled like ass. What at I the mean end of the day is the lack of towels on everybody's bodies. Oh, uh, okay. And I'm sitting yeah. there. I'd had a tough workout, and this guy, he's probably in his 70s. He rolls up, and I shit you not, he hikes his leg up on the chair next to me, <laughs> and I, I'm like, you know, like kind of like down, like. Beat and I look over and I'm just looking right at him, you oh, know, you right at right at his balls. soul, right there. Yeah. <laughs> and I literally, I, I got up and I said, yeah. "I'm done. I'm done, <laughs> I'm done yeah. with this." And I went yeah. upstairs and I just said, "Cancel it. I don't know. I'm I got to do it. I'm yeah. never coming back. I've been back." Yeah, tell Bob to uh, put his balls up, please. <laughs> you know, man. I mean. Yeah. Hey, yeah. good for him. Yeah, like, I but gotta get still, out of here. I know. Uh, same story, right? Yeah, yeah. I know. I Nobody mean, talked to you. Yeah, you know, I experienced you had balls. <laughs> yeah, same thing, you know. Uh, no, but it's true. It's uh, it's wild what an environment can do to you emotionally and personally. Yeah, you know what I mean. It really is. And I mean, so it, that's what's tremendous about this place. Yeah, we've got to choose to put ourselves, you know, like in the best position for us mm-hmm. to get where we want to go, and that it, it weirdly might include the gym. Yeah, no, 100%. And it's weird that this is the first gym that's ever – that I've had that type of dynamic in. Yeah. You know, because typically it's, you know, uh, everybody competing against one another is what I remember, especially like at Golds and Worlds oh, and stuff yeah. like that. Go, go, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know. It's a different uh, – 100%. Yeah, and then when Lifetime habit. opened, I remember the biggest thing that I loved about it was the fact that – they had towels, and I didn't yeah. have to bring a lock. And the bathrooms are clean. Yeah, and the, the bathrooms are clean. Didn't have pee all over. Yeah, you know, because I don't know how many times I hit my combination lock on the side of my truck or something like that, swinging my bag in. Yeah. The towel smelled horrible at the end of the yeah. day, stuff like that. I just, I, I was done with it. Yeah. And it was funny. At one point, I went, I, you know, I, I told myself, well, I'm just going to go ahead and get one of those memberships just because, the just in case. And I had walked back in, and as soon as I walked through that door, that smell. And then I walked back to the locker room and I was just like, can't do this. So, you know, I don't know if I'm bougie or what, but I just couldn't smell all the, all, smell the high school locker room deal anymore. I'm glad know? we remember all of our gym defining moments. I know, right? The moment we just enough was enough. Enough was enough. Enough was yeah. enough. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> <Exactly>. important. <laughs> I know it's those for, little hey, things. For all you know? listening, I yeah. hope you, you know, I hope you get to that point and you can make that change. Exactly. Drink, you know? Do it. You know, the smelly towel, the lock, and the balls in your uh, face. You know, get you, out. That's a bad yeah. combo. That's but, a bad combo. Any, it, any one of those alone, you know, exactly. could that be that defining moment for you? Get all three, you need to get the fuck you out. You need there. to get out of there as soon as you can. Uh, well, I appreciate it, man. I really enjoyed sitting down yeah. with you and talking to you and learning a little bit more about you yeah, and and what you do. And uh, I appreciate it, brother. That yeah, was a blast. Thank you.